live. <laughs> okay. Hey, everybody. What's going on? Um, uh, welcome back, Dwayne. You're one of the most requested um, second time guests I've ever had, actually. Um, if you guys didn't watch the um, Grateful Divorce story, um, we did it, I think, in December. So it's about three months old right now. But um, we didn't have quite enough time to really dive into a whole ton of stuff just because of the restrictions. And we had to kind of move off to some other stuff. Hang on, I got some uh, feedback here coming from my other screen. And um, everybody wanted to kind of hear like the tail end of the story with what sort of happened next. And, you know, where are you right now? Are you still in Greece? Yeah, I'm on the island of Corfu. You can see it behind and me here. There's a big castle wall. You can see all that back there. Okay. And there's that, the two, it's actually the name of the island is Kikira. But they say Corfu because that means the two castles. There's two castles here. Got it. And um, they're about, I don't know, quarter mile from each other. And I live in one of them uh, because there's a little marina here. And um, it's uh, just available in the wintertime. So I, I rent the spot for like six, up to six months in the wintertime. And it's because uh, nobody, not, not many people here in the winter. And then. When you Starting, say a spot, do you mean like a boat slip or do you mean like a Yeah, a I'm castle? in a marina. I can okay. I can walk the camera around and show you, but you can see it behind me, all the boats lined up. Yeah, yeah. So it's a very cool little marina. It's kind of a it's not one of the big fancy ones. Um and I mean it's just gorgeous all around me. And then starting next week, I start my chartering. And uh because cause uh season is starting. So everybody's watching. I just want to put a plug in. Who hit me up with one of my my channels, and um, I'm also doing um, retreats for groups of people, so you can come individually or with a group of four people. Yeah, let's definitely and talk about that in the we show. Can talk again, about that later but, towards the end. Um, yeah, let I me just recap the here. last show. So Dwayne is a dude that was a home builder in the Bay Area of California. Correct me if I get any of this, any of this wrong. I'm just kind of going off memory. Mm -hmm. So. A builder in the Bay Area of California doing custom homes uh, went through basically a, a nightmare of a divorce where his wife took the kids, control of the business, all the money, essentially left you with nothing. All you wanted to do, you know, when, you know, building a family, I think you got three kids, was it? Yep. And all that you want to do, you know, building a family was to get a sailboat and spend some time on the water, you know, from time to time. I think your ask was like, you know, let's just do one year. And that was too much for her. And um, that kind of like left you with nothing. And you basically, after all that sort of dust settled, you built a couple more houses, made enough money to buy the boat that you're on right now. Yep. And you kind of just sail the world doing doing your own thing. Yep. Um, what did people want to hear about from the last video that we missed? Um, I think... I think people were asking about your kids, like what's your relationships like with your kids after all that. So what I'll do for people watching the replay is a card up on the top right will pop up and it will uh, let you click the original video. So I would say watch that first. For those of you that have already watched it and just want to hear the follow-up, this is where we're at today, kind of like the continuation of this. So this is part two. Yeah. Okay. So this is like the most press I've ever gotten from something you know after all of this and so thanks a lot for that uh rich and and so i i read through all the comments or i think all of them and a lot of them i answered uh um but the the recurring theme was yeah what happened to the kids and what happened to my ex and um well it's interesting 
that I, and I've noticed this in relationships post-divorce is that they will tell you at some point what they're going to do before mm -hmm. they do it. And in my case, my ex did exactly that. It was probably several years before the divorce. And she kept on egging me on to go down to this next town, Santa Barbara, where it's just gorgeous and it costs, you know, buy-in is 10 million bucks or something for these beautiful houses overlooking the ocean. What do you mean going down? You mean like selling place you guys ran to move down there? Just go start looking. Yeah, you know, she's hinting at wanting to go down there. Well, that was beyond my pay grade. And I knew what I, I grew up in California. I know exactly what that place was. And she was all excited about it. And I was like, hey, man, we already live in a multi-million dollar house. And we, we did just fine. Nah, she was very excited about this. And Was this and like going just, from like a seven-figure home to an eight-figure home? Well, okay. So if you like look a $3 up, million dollar home to like a $13 time. million dollar home sort of thing? Yeah, yeah, going from a $3 million house to a 13. Yeah, Yeah. okay. And something like that. You could, you could go all over the... The, uh, but that's kind of the area. And so, um, I knew what it was like down there and I kind of just blew it off. And then I didn't think about it much anymore. Well, today she shacked up with some dude, he's got a lot of money mm -hmm. and, um, she buried him and they have their, she has her beautiful house overlooking the sea. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to kiss and tell too much, but I, heard it through the grapevine that um she had to compromise a lot of stuff in order to get that and i haven't spoken to her but the bottom line is i was really happy when i heard this because i was like well that's exactly what she wanted it, it wasn't like I, I did anything horrible or wrong or you know it's just it's the ultimate in hypergamy right mm -hmm. you know it's it's just that <clears throat> to the nth degree and all right. So, but you start questioning yourself a lot when that happens, when, cause when I was going through it, cause that didn't happen for five or six years after it wasn't like she had this relationship waiting and I didn't have one waiting either. So, but then when I looked back at it, I said, yeah, that's right. She said that <laughs> she said that's what she was going to do. She actually told me. And then I look at other relationships I've had since. And when I really, you know, I've, I've been single now for 10 years or maybe nine. Mm -hmm. And I've had a handful of relationships, some for six months, some for a couple of years. And when, you know, you always get into something and you go, oh, well, I, you think this and you, you hear what they say, but you just ignore the parts that you don't want to hear. Mm -hmm. And, but, but then when it ends and you go, oh yeah, they said that in the beginning, they, they really meant it. So that's what happened with her. So she always, she already knew. So I would warn people in that they're in the same situation to be very aware because maybe you can deal with this somehow. I don't know. Or yeah, maybe most people don't, don't pay attention to red flags. Like you could literally grab a red flag and wave it like this. And it's like, yo, here's a red flag. And they'll be like, <laughs> she's got great boobs and you know, she's, you know, she looks pretty and smells nice and they don't, they don't do anything else. Right. Or in my case, you just, you know, you're rolling along and you're comfortable and there's really not much I could have done about it, mm -hmm. honestly, except yeah. without leveraging like hell, which I kind of did that anyway. And, and you leverage, you leverage. And then if it works out great, then maybe you could buy the next thing they want. You know, maybe it's a better car or maybe it's a better house or maybe it's better, whatever it is that they want. They want something, right? How old were the kids when you guys split up? 
Okay, so when we split, my youngest, he was 14, and then my middle one was 16, and my oldest was 18. And the 18, and, and the funny thing was, I had the best relationship ever with my middle daughter up until that point. I mean, she was just daddy's girl, and we'd do everything together. I'd fly her around to her, uh, um, she was, uh, she was an aspiring actress, and she could sing, and so mm-hmm. she'd go for commercial auditions in LA and so I'd fly her down there we'd spend the day together and she would confide in me things that little girls would you know I was like oh my friends are weird and how come a boy's never kissed me and what should I say to a guy who says this and mm-hmm. things that a kid a girl would ask her dad and I I was flattered and you know I'd laugh with her and get a hamburger and a shake and and um and we had that and mm-hmm. and it was nice the day the divorce was announced she never talked to me again. Ever again? Well, it took uh, about five years. So, so why did she stop talking to you the day of the divorce? She wouldn't say. She still to this day hasn't said. But mm-hmm. I, but I, 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 uh, my, my actually, um, I don't, I don't want to say too much because there's some privacy. Mm-hmm. But, but uh, there was some help elsewhere to kind of close that gap. And, um, she's, what's happened is now we talk regularly and she's well into her career. She's got a big job in Washington, DC of all things. And, and, um, uh, she's doing some really great things and she's proud of herself and I'm proud of her. And we did get together for, for dinner. And so slowly it's mending, Mm -hmm. but to broach that subject, you know, hardcore, it's like, I, you have to, you know, it's like any relationship, you know, you don't want to just blast it open and say, why did you do this? Did you ever ask your siblings to see what they thought of it? Yeah. Her her brother and, and he doesn't, he doesn't want to get in the middle of it. And you know, my son, he never stopped talking to me for, uh, from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. But my ex was very, very clever in keeping us separated. So I think I said this last time, did you play little games like, Oh, he has a baseball game on Thursday. So I would show up on Thursday. Well, it turned out the game was on Wednesday. And okay. So, so, so giving you the complete wrong date. So you show up like a pleb. Yeah, you know, so on. those kinds of things constantly of just right. being harassed by misinformation. And then right. you look like an ass, you know, and and so I picked up on and that. And then he's one playing the game, like looking in the stands, going, Where's dad? Yeah. Right. And you're or not. Or I show, you know, and then she knows I'm coming down and now she, I've got that one down where, okay, I'm not going to be there the wrong day. Well, you know, of course it's, why wouldn't I go? I've, I've driven a long way. Why wouldn't I want to have dinner with him? Well, of course she has dates set up for him. Oh no, no, no. He only has 10 minutes. And even if I ask it's and there's some massive thing, she is the master of, of control. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, didn't want to get, he's got two sisters and a mom to deal with at home. And he doesn't want to make his life uncomfortable. What so, about the other um, girl? Did she, did the she oldest talk one? to you guys when you split up? She, or did she also was go told, okay, so it's, it, this is all the disinformation stuff that's going on. You know, it's like the, my ex. This, by the way, guys, is called parental alienation in family yeah. law. It's where yeah. one parent tries to put distance between the other parent by making up a, a false narrative that would encourage the child not to want to have a relationship with that parent. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. 
Right. So it's, and I knew this during the court battle that this was going on. And I knew my remedies were to, okay, to, to fight this parental alienation, you're going to have to do psychological, you know, psychological analysis on that. On her then she would require one of me and then we'd have to do it to the kids and then you know back and forth and you're going to spend probably fifty sixty thousand dollars going through this crap mm-hmm. and the the 18 year old was out of the picture because she's 18 and the judge said okay well mom can take care of the kids but dad you can have i'm going to leave it up to the kids if they want to see you mm-hmm. so there were i wasn't i wasn't told i couldn't see them but and they weren't told they couldn't see me but the judge just said they're 14 and 16. I'm going to let them make their own decision. And um, so, but but the things that were going on, which I knew, or I assumed a lot of times by her, because the kids didn't even want to say, because I knew she was masterful at this, I would have to go back and prove it. And and they would just cause such a, a, a uh, discourse in the... Um, in their lives, I didn't want to rattle their lives that much. And I knew sooner or later they'd come back. I, my son's turned out great. My daughter's turned out great too. Mm-hmm. And I will give one, you know, she got all of my money, but to her benefit, she spent it on the kids the way I would have, have wanted them to okay. wanted her to. So she made sure she, they got through schools. She made sure they, you know, got opportunities in their lives to, to get to the next step, et cetera. My son started a business and, and so on. Mm-hmm. So, but I, I was thinking about this today. In fact, is like, how do you stop that from happening the next generation again? You know, yeah. an extreme amount of, of education is what it's going to take. And I don't, I don't think they're aware of it yet until they get older, but this is exactly what my ex-wife did at that time is she blew apart our, uh, relationship at exactly the time her parents split when she was that age and her mm-hmm. siblings were the same age as all three of my kids. She had, she was one of three. And so it's like you recreate this nightmare in your head and you think it's going to happen again. And then you end up creating it. And, and she was expert at, at, uh, making a scene, however she wanted it to play out. And so, uh, I, you know, I'm two out of three now. At least I have relationships. My son came out and sailed with me a few times, which has been great. How does he like I, that? I, I, he loves it. Yeah. <laughs> he was in Italy this summer, and and we were sailing across from Rome to uh, Sardinia, and he was like, after about halfway through, which takes like 20 hours, and, and he was like, wow, I could see how you could get used to this. <laughs> so yeah. that was cool, and, you know, it was just me and him and the dog, and, and, and to his credit, I, I, um, I, I knew he was coming. I said, Oh, there's some other people I can make at a party. And he goes, no, no, dad, I, I want to do it alone with you. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, awesome. And he goes, yeah, I'm just trying to use this time for reflection, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And so I was really happy that it, it turned out I heard great. sailing's good for that. Like, you know, like you're on a passage, you've got nothing around you. You're on a boat. It's not like anybody can leave. It, <laughs> yeah. I got <laughs> right? a captive audience. Yeah. So, <laughs> So that's absolutely true. And I've had probably since I've gotten on this thing three and a half years ago, probably a thousand people on and off the boat. Really? Yeah. And over the, and over the last some three for a day, years. Uh-huh. Some for days, some for four days, some for okay. a week, some, you know, just people 
this this boat is very attractive and and it's got this very big deck. Yeah, it's a beautiful you know, boat. See back here, it's kind of a mess right now. I'm doing some work on the on the on the wood, but um, it's very attractive. It makes people feel comfortable, mm -hmm. and I like to I like to entertain. I like to have people over, and I and I open it up all the time. So, but what one thing I've noticed about every, almost everybody who comes on, unless they happen to be a professional sailor, is they get they get introspective and pensive about things and and that you you it changes your perspective of life of you know for however long you're on you're separated by you know you, you, there's maybe it is it's in your mind you know there's nowhere to go and so you have to start dealing with it mm. i used to fly airplanes a lot and i found the same reaction when i was up in the air when i was piloting and and so i ended up talking to a lot of people about a lot of stuff which is great i'm 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 happy to and i'm good at it and i've studied psychology a lot now to understand where people's heads are coming why do you from. think that like okay sorry to sorry to hop in here but i mean like why do you think there's such a connection between people that fly and people that sail i've noticed I think, that now that i think we love the, the the shit well for me and i know most sailors is they we have two big things in common we love to travel mm -hmm. we love the change of place and we love the shape of a foil you know what I mean by foil, airfoil. As in a wing the and wing a sail. It's the same thing. Yeah. It's really your, you know, you take that wing this way on a plane, and you put it that way, and it's a it's a sail. Right. It's the same shape. And to optimize those things and how you plow it through water and to deal with the weather, and the weather is identical. Mm -hmm. And it's just it, it's like you know, um the the an airplane is an earth shrinker. We used to call it. It would shrink the earth because you go up. I I flew a Beechcraft Baron, which is a twin engine, two hundred mile an hour, six seat airplane. Mm -hmm. You get up in the air, and the world gets small, right? You can see it. It's just you're just smaller. And when you're in control of it, you realize, oh, I can go anywhere now in just a fraction of the time. And mm -hmm. so, am I going faster? Or is the world getting smaller? Well, you play this game in your head that the world got smaller, and you're like a giant taking big steps. And so it gives you a different perspective and on boat it's the opposite <laughs> the world becomes big because you go so slow you're used right. to going 60 miles an hour in a car <clears throat> or maybe in your case 150 but um it's uh still this perspective change and, and no matter what you know by this time of being on this boat now for um god it's like 1300 days i i you live I on the boat some, full time, right? Like you don't fly yeah. back and forth anywhere. Like the boat is. Well, once in a while, I go back and see my mom and my kids, when right, I, right, and okay. friends, and I and I've, I've closed up all my businesses now. I had two or three points of business that I had before. I've kept a couple of pieces of real estate, which supports my lifestyle. But, mm. um, I um, um, being out here for so long, I have totally submitted to the seasons. You do. You think you're going to go? For example, this winter, I was going to sail from Spain down to the Canary Islands and surf again for the winter. Well, what happened is, uh, first of all, I had some breakage on the boat, like one of my sails tore, and you don't just go down to the sail store and buy one. You got to have it made, and that takes six weeks. So, well, so there goes that idea. So then I went home during that time, and then when I came back. 
uh, it was in October, November, uh, six week sets of storms came through and just tore apart where I was. You know, I, I survived it just fine, but uh, you know, I mean, I was even in a marina in, in Mallorca mm -hmm. and it was such a powerful storm. It tore apart. There's a very famous uh, RCMP, uh, it's called, it's a, a yacht club there in Palma, Mallorca, which is like the biggest yachting center of the world. And they have their building that's right on the water and they have this beautiful balcony. Well, the, the balcony tore off. Mm. It was like, whoosh, and, and it barely missed my boat. I was like, well, that could have been really bad. Sure, insurance, but you know, um, you you don't uh you never know what's going to happen so i got stuck there for another chunk of time and then a bunch of other things broke in the boat and then i got covid and i just sat there for two weeks <laughs> and so i got sick i got the flu for two weeks and i'm like mm -hmm. okay and so through all of that i didn't go anywhere i just kind of stayed and then finally it got to be december middle of december and or january no no it was january because christmas was over i thought i had new year's there and I said, screw it. It's too late in season to actually spend two weeks to sail down to the Canaries and try to, because the, the, the surfing season's over. So I just turned and I went to um, uh, Greece instead. Mm -hmm. And so you can't fight these things. You just sort of submit to, you know, what, what the weather is going to give you. You think you're going to do all kinds of things. So you have to become okay with that. And, um, you know, people say all the time, well, where are you going to be in this time? And I said, well, somewhere. I'm going to be where I'm at. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And, and I think almost any voter full time would agree with that. You know, there's only, I think 10,000 really cruisers like me in the world at any one time. Mm -hmm. Now there's a lot of people who sail, but that's mostly because they have rental boats. It's a huge rental fleet, or they take their boats out every year and they put them back in and, and you know, they, they sail around. It's nice. They want to be there when the weather's nice, but it's full time. Not a lot. There's fewer people have done this than have climbed Mount Everest. And so it's... Wait, wait, wait. Say that again. So so there's fewer people that live as cruising. cruisers like well, you Oh, no. Circumnavigating. Okay, who so have like, circumnavigated, okay, who have actually it. done the whole, I haven't done it yet. I'm working on it. Then have where, did climbed you, out. where did you sail the boat from? Like, did you just pick it up in the Mediterranean or did you sail it from North America to the Mediterranean? Like, where did you okay. start from? I was very specific in what did I, what I wanted. It was a Beneteau sense. Mm -hmm. And uh, there is uh, my own set of criteria. I wanted this big platform to hang out doing exactly what I'm doing now. I didn't want that many bedrooms. I only got three cabins and most boats of this size would have like five or six cabins. So just mm -hmm. more privacy for more people to sleep. But I didn't, I wanted to be just less people and, and a nicer experience. Um, and there's not a lot of these made. There's only 70 of them made in the world. Mm -hmm. And um, they stopped making them because it's like a sports car, you know, Mercedes making them. They don't really make money off making the, 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 the unique one. They make it off making the, the production ones. Mm -hmm. so they stopped making it and um so they were hard to find and when i was looking three years ago there was only two for sale one was in um uh one was in california actually but the price was way high uh, 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 obstructively high and the other one was in um, london or in uh, southampton uh, england so i flew to southampton to buy it 
And when I got there, there were some issues with it that were unacceptable to me. And I said, well, I'm just going to keep looking. And some uh, the guy said, hey, you should go to Turkey. And I said, why? And he goes, because Turkey's a cool place and there's boats down there. And I, and I didn't even know where to go. And, and I was a single guy and I was like, okay, well, I'll go to Turkey because the salesman told me I should go check it out. And I looked around for a long time, like a month and a half. And I couldn't find the boat I wanted. I looked at a lot of boats and I made spreadsheets of it and so on. And then I, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I bet I'm willing to bet right now that you, that you've probably spent more time researching boats, looking at boats, evaluating <laughs> boats than what you did getting into your marriage. Am I right? Absolutely. <laughs> like, you know, for most guys, you know, prerequisite is does she have nice boobs and have a pulse and does she like, <laughs> like me sort of thing? Like, does she touch me? Right. <laughs> but a boat, like a material thing, you know, it's like, you know, well, it's they can both kind of kill your... you, but I mean, the chances yeah. of a boat sinking is almost nothing these That's days, right. right? Well, I mean, the, the chances now... of you sinking in a marriage is like 50%, basically. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Sorry, man. Exactly. I, you know, okay. No, we can go there. All these you, we, analogies. You want to go there? We could, we could totally go there. I, 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 uh, since I have been studying this, I started my exploration into the psychology of relationships when I first started getting divorced. I mean, like within the first week, I ordered Larry Bellotta's manual on the, mm -hmm. what are you, I don't know. He has a name for it. I can't remember, but, but I, I bought that immediately and I was like, oh my God. This is like there's psychology behind this. Like this is you can you can is that, you can, is that how you came across my channel? No, no, that was a long time after. That was ten years ago. Oh, okay, and, so that was a long time before. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And and how did you find my channel, by the way? I don't know. Um I, I really I can't remember. I just okay. stuff stuff comes over the feed and I was listening to something. Maybe it could have been cars. It could okay. have been, it could have been business or it could have been this. And then I started hearing what you're talking about with all this. I was like, Oh my God, I want to talk about fucked up divorce. That's me. I, I sent right. you that email. And so I uh, started on that psychology analysis. And when I get into relationships now, I, I probably overthink it maybe, mm -hmm. but I'm a lot more careful and I, I'm a lot more happy in the end. That's for damn sure. And it is thinkable. And I've started coaching mostly women, in fact. Uh, you know, talk to my friends and other girls, and I'll say, hey, you know, if you're going to do this, this is the odds of how it's going to end up. And they're like, what? How do you know all this? And I say, well, I, I read about it and I, and I listen to it and I, I do my research. And they're like, oh my God, I just. Younger women generally you know? don't even want to hear it. It's, it's really the older women that are open to like these sorts of conversation. I've, I've found like they were exactly they're generally 30, 35 plus that are like, yeah. Hey, you know, tell me, tell me what you think about this before yeah. that. They don't care. It's like, I'm pretty, I can do whatever I want. Well, what I find is the girls around in their mid forties, cause I'm 60. And so I, I, and how do you not have any gray hair at 60, Dwayne? Like, how did you go through a brutal divorce and not even end <laughs> up with gray hair? <laughs> Dude. Okay. Let's talk about that. It's called, uh, it's called, um, what is it? Cortisol is the bad stuff. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. When I was 49, 50, I guess I was 50 when she told me, boom, you know, she kind of slapped this at me and I went into that in the last interview, so I won't waste the time, but I had, a, um, my hair was dark, but I had a little bit of gray coming out 
and I had really short hair and I just cut it all the time and I'd shave every day. I only shave now once every couple of weeks and it gets, and then I cut it off. But sometimes mm-hmm. I let it go, but, but, um, I, uh, I was weighed about 30 pounds more and I was stressed all the time. And, um, it took a couple of years to get through those court cases. I was mired in courtrooms for two full years, maybe a little more than that. And then I started getting out. It wasn't, but a couple of years later, I finally saw some light at the end of the tunnel. And then I, my stress level went down and I realized I could do whatever I wanted to do. I really accepted it. It takes a long time to accept it after you, when you're in a 20, really it's 25 years of commitment to this thing. And I swear 15 years got knocked off my life. I got given back 15 years. Most people who hang out with me, they would guess I'm in my mid forties anywhere from 45 to maybe 50. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I'm, I don't, I lost all that weight and I started exercising and I'm not a super big guy, but I'm, but I'm lean and I'm strong and you know, everything works. And, and, um, my hair got better. It was amazing. And mm-hmm. I, I think it's a matter you look at all the presidents, everyone, even Obama, remember he went in with black hair. Yeah. 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 And he came out, and he gray. came out fully yeah. gray. Yeah. Stress is a huge I don't know about balding. I mean, but that's, that's a, that's just a, that's a genetic, pre, that's a genetic thing. Yeah. Yeah. But, and I, I don't have it in my family on either side. So thanks mom. Thanks dad. Um, but, uh, the color is, is real. I, I will say I've had, I, I, there is a funny story about the color. I don't know how far you want to get into this crap, but, um, there was a guy in my, um, got brought up in my divorce proceedings he was gonna when my ex asked for full control of the company she stood up this is public record by the way i guess if you went into the into the gunnels of the um san luis obispo county records and looked up our divorce she stood up there in the stand in public and said she has the ability to run everything in the company she doesn't need me and she has three guys who would put up their license in the case that I would leave if she was just given full control. Mm-hmm. And she used one of the guy's names. It was Nick Osier. He was a contractor in my town. And I knew Nick. He used to work with my brother-in-law. Nice guy. But she brought up his name. And I was like, really? I was sitting there in the stand, gonna go, or on the, <laughs> the seat. I go, Nick's going to take my place? Like, wow. He figured this out. I can't even believe it. And, and I hadn't talked to Nick regularly in a long time, but I was surprised. And, um, and then she got control. The judge handed it to her. And that's, that was the beginning of the end. Within like 80, 90 days, I resigned. And, and then she, that's when she went back and asked for the judge to force me to work for her. And he said, no, that would have to force a man to work against his will has the ring of slavery. And that, that clause got thrown in. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm ser- that was written. I got the letter. I can no, no, no. I'm laughing because I mean it's often been said that um, having having responsibility without authority is slavery. 
And that's essentially what you have in a North American marriage today is you have responsibility to your family, to your kids, to the household, to the roof yeah. over the house, all that stuff. But you, but you technically don't have authority as the head, head of the household oh. anymore. And, you know, in yeah. the past, like, you know, the way that they basically describe that is that, that that's slavery. But that's essentially what marriage is today and, and how most men live after a period of time is they have responsibility without authority. Yeah. Yeah. So she got all authority taken away legally and even in the business and then wanted me to stick around. And I was like, well, I'm, I, I, I stayed hilarious. the 80 or 90 days. Fair enough, because I had a couple of jobs I wanted to see through. I wanted yeah. to get them done. So I just pounded it out and I was like, you know, we're, we were arguing about shit and I got mad a couple of times and yeah. yelled at some of the car carpenters and, and they threw that at me too and whatever. And so it, 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 there was, there was no violence or anything. It was just stupid. And so when, um, so then a year or two goes by and I'm now here I am starting my life over and a carpenter again, like I'm 53, four, I went from having big beautiful life with kids and family to being a carpenter and i'm standing down at the lumber yard and nick walks in and i hadn't seen nick in years probably three or four years and i was like nick last time i heard your name was in a courtroom i go in fact did i go i can't believe why aren't you down there running my company because my wife my ex-wife she collapsed the company the whole thing went away three months after i left i can't believe mm -hmm. you didn't step in what you didn't get along with her what happened <laughs> she pissed you off too mm -hmm. and he said i never agreed to that and i said really oh boy she used your name in vain because it's it's in the record dude mm -hmm. and and you should know that and i said frankly i said i think you're a liar and 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 uh i think you're you're weak for not now not even going and defending yourself because i wouldn't want my name used like that you should go sue her if you didn't mm -hmm. agree to it and and he, and he got so mad he looked at me he goes well well you dye your hair <laughs> and, he, and he said this in front of all the guys in the lumberyard i was like what i dye my hair what the fuck are you talking about and it, it just blew my mind this is what he so the hair yeah whatever i got dark hair and but it bugged him that much and he must have felt so guilty he had nothing else to say so that was oh, whatever <laughs> <laughs> um your your um your kids you said that you got a, a pretty good relationship with them now especially your mm -hmm. son too right? yeah um mm -hmm. Did they ever feed back anything to you, like now that they're adults, you know, because the whole thing that went down with, you know, the family and the breakup and the untying of the knot, like, do you ever hear from them on that? Like, you know, dad, you know? Well, I mean, yeah, there's some things been said. I'm not sure I want to repeat it in, in broadcast form. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, keep in mind, this is a public broadcast. So. Yeah. And uh, in, in, to honor my son. Um, but I will say that uh, to anybody who's thinking about you know ending the, like what we okay uh, we had a 20 we had a very special situation and my i mean this is really personal shit. i don't mind telling you this but it's uh like okay this woman i married was the sister-in-law of a guy who was raised kind of by my dad 
So he was almost like my brother, right? He was mm-hmm. he he worked for my dad's company. My dad had a very big company and he had restaurants and this guy worked in restaurants and he wanted to be a designer when we were like 15, 16 years old. Mm-hmm. And I always worked for my dad. That's how I learned this trade so early. And and I was a tradesman and and so we by the time we were 19, we were built our own house together. And uh under my dad's guidance, he said, Oh, I got this extra property. You guys go build this thing. And mm-hmm. he threw one of his superintendents at us and we we figured it out and and he was more of a designer guy and then we did projects all through our 20s here and there his name is mark and nice guy well in college he he knocked up this girl and they ended up getting married tammy and um so they had their kids and they were sort of you know like they were friends sometimes i'd babysit their kids and they were like friends of family mm-hmm. and we still did projects together and then um one day, five years later, there was the big event in Oakland, the Oakland Hills firestorm, and it burned down 3,000 houses in a day, 1991, September of 1991. And I get a call from Marcus, hey man, there's this huge disaster happened, there's all these empty lots, you should go check it out and you know buy some of the stuff, we should set a business up there and mm-hmm. I'll do it with you. I was like, okay, cool. So I went up there and he had, his sister-in-law picked me up from the airport. Now I knew her like a couple times. I might've seen her at a party. We never got, you know, didn't hang out too much. But then uh, I, uh, that's how I got to know her. But so there was like this big intertwined family, mm-hmm. you know, families intertwined. And that was know, the one that ended families. up becoming your wife. Uh, you know, the one that then she became the my wife. Yeah, right, exactly. Right, okay. So when I look at what, people give up what are they getting to go through i mean i guess if you're married for a couple of years and it's horrible and you don't really have a lot of legacy and stuff i don't know maybe it's worth it but when you're married for a long time like i am and you have families all who are all you know intertwined and it's like is it really better afterwards and so I look at what my ex has created and sure, she got remarried, but it's, uh, it's like, okay, so she married this guy whose ex-wife married my ex-neighbor. My ex-neighbor had a son who he was like 20 he was kind of lost and wondering. And this, this guy, then my neighbor said, Hey, Dwayne, would you take my son for the summer and give him a job and take him see the world, you know, kind of man him up. And so mm-hmm. I've, I've done that process with probably at least 10 guys. I mean, other parents have asked me to put their kids to work and sort of show them what the hell's going on because they are whatever they're doing. They're you mean on the boat up. or when you were a builder? No, 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 no. This is when I was working. This is when okay. I was in my forties, you know, right. and, because I ran a construction business and I also, um, you know, I'm an engineer and I, I know a lot about a lot of things and they trusted me to, mm-hmm. cause their sons were just lost at some point. I think he was doing drugs and he was in his dad, wouldn't listen to his dad. So anyway, I did this. So now his dad, his son actually told my son, Hey, you know what? Your dad did like one of the best things ever. And he got my shit together and he made me see things differently. Now my life's a lot better. I was like, cool. But the, the, the fuckery of now which house do you go for thanksgiving which do you you know where do you go christmas and and 
your alliances and allegiances and, and, and the complexity that you develop in breaking apart families and then remarrying to somebody else is that this whole structure just gets fucking complex and fucked up. Mm -hmm. So it's, I, I, I can't, uh, say, you know, I just know this is what one thing like my son has to look at. And some of this, I'm just injecting, like from what I know he's going to have to see. It's not that something he's saying, but it's got to be hard. Mm. It, you know, it's got to be hard all the way around. So before you go and just say, okay, I'm going to pull the trigger and pull the plug. It's, it can be very complex. That's, that was my personal case. Okay. Not everybody's lives are so intertwined like that, but they could be. And on, on some level, everybody has a little bit of that. And, what's, um, what's the, uh, I mean, you got two daughters and a son. So let me ask you this question. So given the experiences that you've had in life right now, and like, as you would dispense it to your own kids or any, you know, like young man or woman right now watching this, like what, like what advice would you give a 20, 22 year old son versus a 20, 22 year old daughter? Like, is it different? Is it the same advice when it comes to life advice? You know what? The most stable women I've seen love their father. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would agree with that. hundred percent. But yeah. flag number one is daddy issues, 100%. 100%. And if you get that out of the way, I think almost everything else can be dealt with. Uh, unless they're just psychological, you know, unless they're just, come on, people are just fucked up. But but um, I was listening to Jordan Peterson today and he was talking about, you know, like this, all the rampant people changing sex and stuff and how it's just pop culture and, and how it's screwing things up and the balances of men and women and, I don't, I mean, those are, those are fringe, I, I would hope. Um, but, but, you know, and I, and I, I feel a little guilty about that too, because my oldest daughter hates me. And so I feel sorry for her. It's mm. like, you know, and, and she was lied to. And that's the other thing. It's like, I, and I, I, I know she was. And um, so she's got to go through life being raised for 18 years by this guy she trusted. And then all of a sudden this bundle of lies because, my ex needs to look good so she can go forward in life and, and get herself this house on overlooking the ocean. Mm -hmm. And, and it's like to, I, um, I think to know yourself, you know, one of the best things that I did after I got divorced was I went to this, uh, uh, it's a seven day seminar. It's called the Hoffman process. Mm -hmm. and it was really great because I think one of the most important things that you can do in your life is get to know yourself, know who you are. It's, it's, uh, to see yourself as others see you mm -hmm. is, is the best thing that you can know. And so, you know, how, how you're treating people mm -hmm. and, and then you can make a decision of a partner more intelligently um so so it's I, like a it looks like it's a weekend retreat it says tuition's 5300 bucks it's seven days yeah okay or yeah, it's seven expensive. Days yeah okay but, but i mean so, I, but it sounds like you got something out of it oh it's huge yeah, yeah. It, it's uh um how did that change you it made me feel like i'm enough no matter what mm-hmm 
you know, you didn't right feel like thing. that before. Like, I guess you felt like a failure because you lost everything. Yeah, for sure. You know, like I did everything that I thought was right. And then all of a sudden you're 53 and you've lost everything. You go, what? Wait a minute. What's going on? And sure, I fucked up. And some I, of your kids I, won't even talk to you even. Yeah. And, and so, so then I learned about what, what you learn in the Hoffman process is, first of all, it starts off with like a questionnaire it's a little sales pitch for hoffman okay um <laughs> i don't mind man you know pitch it if you want i mean if you feel like you got value out of it then just i got something. value it's a great thing yeah. it was okay. a great thing but yeah. but it helps me understand what i'm about to other people because psychology okay. you're often looking at other people how they affect you yeah what how do you affect others yeah. and uh, bob hoffman he figured that out in the 60s now it's hard to get into there and they don't do a lot of them. I mean, I think they have two uh, locations. They've won California. They've won in Europe, I think. And they only take 20 or 30 people at a time. So if you do the math on that, they only do maybe not every, every week. This is not a lot of people who can go through it. And it's, mm. and you have to be there. You couldn't do it online. It would be impossible. But if you can, it's awesome. And I wouldn't do it until I'm, 40 35 or 40 don't do it mm -hmm. when you're 20 you don't know enough about life yet not enough crap has happened <laughs> <laughs> so yeah you need so, some shit on your face to take this course huh yeah yeah okay. yeah 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 you have to you have to you've had to to make some mistakes so you can have some uh, uh, something to reflect on mm -hmm. you know getting and getting fucked over and getting lied to and and why did you believe that shit mm -hmm. you know there's and i used to believe that everybody was good that was, a, that was something I walked out of my house with. Yeah, and yeah, I realized yeah. it's not true. No. No, it's not true. Hu now, not Human beings, good. like, you know, once you get older and, I mean, I'm still younger than you, but uh, I mean, like, as you get older and you start getting in your 40s and stuff, you realize that human beings are kind of vile, disgusting creatures. <laughs> yeah, they can be. I, I mean, mean, we're just I mean there's some people fun. with, like, good in them, obviously. But, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Um, humans are interesting uh, beings. That's... That's for certain. Um, I want to go back to that question about your um, about that advice for like young men and women. So, your sons and daughters. So, what advice would you give a son versus a daughter for life advice? Like, especially when it comes to like um, the the general dynamics of relationships and marriages and having kids. I mean, like as a father, you've got kids. I'm assuming you'd probably not be opposed to having grandkids, and it's something that you know most oh, people. I'd I love mean, to have grandkids. Yeah. That's why we're here to scatter seed, right? So, I mean, yeah. why don't we hit it from that angle? So what relationship advice would you give your son versus what relationship advice would you give your daughter knowing what you know now going through the divorce machine? Like one yeah, question I'd ask you son, is, would you tell your son to get married? Would you tell him to get married? Like, would you say that that's no, a good idea? I tell him don't. Okay. Now he, he wants to, mm -hmm. of course, you know, it's a fantasy of everybody. But I mean, you know, like you can have kids without getting married. Yeah, but there's a thing about marriage is that or inviting family law into your life. Yeah, it's fucked up. Yeah, okay. Let's look at family law over here in Europe. I I, I uh, um, know a woman here who's uh, just gone through the divorce process. She's around forty, and now in her case, the guy didn't have any money at all, so it was there was nothing to give, but. She says that in Greece, you split what you have, but not what you're going to make. 
And that's a big subtlety to big difference. Because in California, after 10 years, you split what you make in the future. What you make in the future. That's slavery, right? That's, that's, you can be looked at as nothing else. And so it's a motivator for divorce and it's, it helps the lawyers. So it'll never change. So, so my son lives so in California. So what would you tell your son then? I, I told him, don't do, do I it. Get married? <laughs> I said, don't do it in California. Right. Now, if you go to North uh, up in the, um, uh, like you go to Norway, Sweden, mm-hmm. the, the situation there is they uh, not, yeah, you might split what you have, and in the future, it's definitely not what you get, but it's assumed that everybody's equal. So, so your recommendation would be, son, don't get married in California if you're going to do it and you want to raise a family. Go somewhere where it's not hostile towards fathers. And by the way, <sighs> yeah, there are states sure. in the U.S. that aren't hostile towards fathers. Like, for example, in I think it's um, uh, Nashville's in Tennessee. So it's Tennessee, Texas, and Arizona. I think Tennessee is probably the friendliest state, if I remember. I had a guy on as a guest early January um, on my Unplugged Alpha podcast. And he broke down all the states, the ones that were hostile, the ones that were friendly. Like in a state like Tennessee, for example, if you get divorced, it's basically default 50-50 custody. Like you don't have to fight to see the kids. There's no argument over it. You just deal with the matrimonial assets. So as far as your son goes, it's don't invite the state into your life. If you're going to do it, do it. Now, do you think he's going to follow that advice? No. I don't think most kids would either. I think they would just plow on forward and do what they're going to do anyway. What about your daughters? Like, Would you give them different advice? What, what? What about your daughters? Would you give them different advice? Like, yes, definitely get married. <laughs> Mar- marry a rich man. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't tell them that. I mean, you know, it's, uh, I wish I could tell you, but my daughter kind of told me this in, in, in private. So, but I, I, uh, let, let me just try to put it generally. Um, men are guilty of the hypergamy as much as women. How so? Explain. Well, <clears throat> you if your if your girlfriend gets an amazing pay grade upgrade, not even pay grade, but mm-hmm. uh, okay, girls go for money, status, and looks. Looks, money, right? status. Yeah. Looks, money, status. Game, captivation. There's a few other spokes. I mean, like you could have looks, money, and status, but if you're boring as shit, she's not going to stay around. Okay. Right. Like you have to be captivating so, shit. Like she has to find you interesting too. Right. So, but status is a big deal, but it goes the other way too. So what happens if a girl, you know, you have a girlfriend and all of a sudden she gets a big bump. Okay. So she's a marketing manager in the company and you're a sales guy. And all of a sudden she gets bumped up to head of marketing. Now she suddenly has to go to Europe twice a month mm-hmm. constantly. Right. And she's, she, and now she's meeting s- stars. So she still loves you. But she's meeting this star and that star and this star and you know all these people mm-hmm. in business and she's putting together deals and you know the new how does that tie into the hypergamy equation for men though? Well, how are you gonna feel? You're gonna feel stable, are you gonna feel as uh confident with your girl if suddenly she has all this new access? Mm-hmm. How are you really gonna feel? And you know, you might because I mean, like the definition yourself. of hypergamy is getting into a relationship with somebody of a higher socioeconomic status than you. So, yes, you are right. There are guys that do look for women that that make money, but 
men aren't inherently hypergamous from that perspective. Like it's, it's, it's very, very common for very successful guys to wife up broke women that like yeah. make $30,000 well, I mean, a year just because okay. they're pretty. But what I mean is, are you going to think your girlfriend's going to start uh, getting swayed by all this, this new fantasticness that's in her life? Unplugged men will. They would start thinking to themselves, well, hang on a second. Uh, you know, who's that guy in the photograph in Brussels at that conference? Uh, he looks like exactly. he's standing a little too close to her. He's tall and handsome with a chiseled jaw. He's the CEO of a blah, blah, blah. And exactly. I'm only making $70,000 a year, right? Exactly. And you start to doubt like the whole thing. And yeah. you, and, but that's and actually he... not hypergamy. That's that's something totally different. Okay. Yeah. What, 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 what do we call that? I would just call that insecurity and jealousy as far as the way that she's, um, you know, developing her lifestyle habits. But, um, you know, it's interesting to note that one of the biggest precursors to breakups and divorces in long-term relationships, so let's say they're married for 10 years. They both make roughly the same amount of money. If, if she makes a lot more money than he does, after a certain period of time, like let's say, you know, the 10 year mark, she's been promoted a few times. She's now the VP of something or another, and mm -hmm. she makes three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars a year. And he's still making about a hundred grand a year. That's mm -hmm. usually one of the bigger precursors to a, to a divorce is when she gets a promotion and a raise. Now, okay. if Why? he's a stay at home dad, she probably won't leave him though. But if he's still working and you know, her socioeconomic status rises, she can't look at him anymore. She doesn't admire him. Like now she's looking down at him. Women want to look across and up at a guy. They don't want to look across and down right. at a guy. So when she starts seeing that her life gets better, that's when women leave men too. Yeah, exactly. So I would think to have a solid relationship, you got to find somebody you can grow with, right? For a woman, yeah. Well, not, not, see, that's the common new age trope where it's all like men and women are equal and we're partners in life and all that sort of stuff. And truthfully, women, Women are okay with that to some degree, but they don't like it as much as looking up to a, a, uh, a guy, right? Like they'd rather be with a billionaire than a millionaire, obviously. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, they, they'd like to be, but there's how many billionaires are there? So they're so if you're a guy and you're going to be an artist and you, you know, you're, you're, you're interesting and you're fun and or I don't know if artists are fun, but <laughs> if you're, you're interesting and you're, and you're significant, and uh you know you're you're, you're uh amazing but you don't make a lot of money because they mm -hmm. generally don't okay and but you gonna be with somebody hopefully they're they're involved somewhere in your life like you know there's a thread of commonality there that mm -hmm. as you grow that you can you can share these things right and so i I have seen my, I have two sisters that have had very successful relationships and they have worked together with their, but they both looked up to their husbands mm -hmm. and that, and that was a, that was a trait they got from my father actually, because mm -hmm. my sisters loved my father a lot. I mean, they argued with him. They'd fight mm -hmm. with him. They call him an asshole sometimes when he was, mm -hmm. but, but in the end they respected him. Mm -hmm. And so they respected their husbands. And that's yeah, that's, women have to respect the man that they're with. They have to respect their father. They have to respect their man that they're with. Otherwise, there's nothing going on there. That it was huge. And I saw that happen with my sisters. I was like, how come they kept that together for all the because they're like 65 now and they're, mm. you know, they're cutting towards the end of their their productive life and and wrapping it up. But um, 
what the trials they went through, they could have easily, there was times they argued, they could have split and, and, and to screwed it up. And so, I mean, like they, basically what you're saying with your daughters then is don't let them marry a bum essentially. Right. I mean, you're saying, that yeah, they, right. Not a bum. And, 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 uh, keep, um, you know, it, you may have to, if, if, uh, um, you might have to pull the guy up, you know, it's like, or, so or do that. yeah, maybe, you know, if you, it, uh, not when you're dating, but you know, maybe 10 years into it. And so think hard about but, I mean, what, what you really Don't you want. find that women only have like a certain amount of tolerance for that though? Like, you, like you know, like pulling a guy up. Yeah. Pulling a guy up. Like I've, like I've also said that a woman in her twenties has a lot more patience and tolerance for a hot guy with a plan. Yeah, than sure. a woman at 40 dealing with a hot guy and a plan. I saw, they don't have a lot of patience for a 40-year-old. In my 40s, I a saw plan. a lot of I saw a lot of my friends in their 40s who just weren't pulling it and they got pinked off for that yeah. exactly. They don't have patience for it. It's like, you know, I'm no. 40, you know, I'm running out of time here. I got to deal with somebody who's got a shit together. You're 40, you better have your shit together otherwise I'm going to bounce. No, sadly, and when I when I cuz I I've, I've been through this shit what I also saw those same women who just like, ah, oh, you know, he's a bomb. I'm, I'm going to leave him or, mm -hmm. you know, I, and they're doing something that that's there. They have their business and it's going along and they, they think they're going to upgrade, mm -hmm. but they generally most don't, of them, depending they on don't. what they look like too. No, generally they don't yeah. unless they're just I mean, really focused. She's got to be on hot. It. She's got to be a good looking woman. Super hot. Yeah. And, yeah. and then they, it's a lot of work to do at that point and they end up kind of like getting cats mm. and i and that's when i look at it and go was that really worth it mm. you know to get over the psychology of, of understanding why you're you know because the guy wasn't a bad guy there's actually a lot of reddit threads and Quora threads not Quora, Quora threads now where women are like i'm thinking of leaving my husband i think the grass is greener mm. on the other side i'm 43 this is what's going on and then you see a lot of these women with cats chiming in going I thought the same thing, girl, but I was wrong and I should have stayed with him and the grass wasn't greener on the other side of the fence. Right. But I mean, like the mainstream narrative with Hollywood and the movies and everything, you know, uh, eat, pray, love, you know, whatever all this like stuff is like, you go girl, you know, you can do better. He's not good enough for you. And it's like, you know, women eat that shit up hook, line and sinker. Give me all that. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's a very interesting, you know, dynamic when it comes to dealing with the, uh, level of arousal and attractional and, and desire, you know, between men and women. And there's different phases of it too, when they're younger and older, and there's a lot of circumstances you can pile into that, but it's, yeah, I think, I think generally speaking, the way that you've described it is like, you know, you try to give your son the best advice that he, you know, that you can, but I think for the most part, they're not going to listen. I think daughters too, probably will do whatever they want. But the interesting thing about, about women is that their innate instinct hardwired into their uh, programming is hypergamy, which is uh, basically don't deal with bums, right? You know, find, find, because what, a thousand, 10,000 years ago, we're living in a hunter gatherer tribe and you know, you, you know, you get with a guy that's a loser in the tribe and he can't bring home the bacon for you and protect you. You're basically screwed. You and her offspring are screwed. So that's why women develop that. It's a feature, not a bug. And some guys get pissed off with that. Oh my God. She's never going to love you for who you are, guys. Right? That's when they go doom and gloom. You know, I, since living over here as well, I've met a lot of couples who have kids who aren't married. Yeah, it's pretty common in Europe. 
it's very common over here. And, yeah. and so there's no divorce and, you know, there's, uh, um, they split up some assets and things and they move on, but there's not the legal fuckery that goes with it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're not going to spend a couple hundred thousand dollars in half of your life. And then the threat of the rest of your life, uh, dealing with this. And so it's, it's sad. I mean, every breakup is sad. Mm-hmm. It, you know, there's, you get used to people and, and, Maybe you're both tired of it. You both want to move on. Even that is hard to move on, but it's fun and interesting to see what you're going to meet in the future as well. And, uh, but there's not the level, like when I, I, I tell people what I've been through in California and they're just like flabbergasted. They're, they're people in <laughs> Europe. Like, people in Europe. Yeah, yeah. 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 In Europe. In California. And I bet they're all like, oh, America must be wonderful. I've always wanted to move there. It's got to be the best place in the world. And you're like, Hang on a second, yeah. let me pour you a glass of something. Sit down because I got a divorce story to tell you, sweetheart. Yeah, yeah. And then and they, they're just kind of like, they're, they're just shocked. They're like, oh, wow, it's amazing you came out so well. Right. And so, but I will say, okay, post-divorce, I mean, if anybody's, you know, because I, I, and actually from this last interview, uh, there's quite a few guys, um, uh, 50 or so, maybe a little older, and said, oh my God, I'm going through the same thing. And, you know, and even you a little bit, we were like, oh, well, can I go sailing? And, you know, how does it work out? And one of the hardest things for me was yeah, Let's talk to, about sailing and life now for you. Well, yeah, it, it was how do I um, change my whole perspective of what life is day to day? Because I was, you know, raised a very, pro- quote, productive American guy, we have a very different view on what production is in America and or the, the, the hard West mm-hmm. and even over here and in anywhere in Europe. <clears throat> it's basically a rat race in North America and in Europe. It's a lot more yeah. chilled you know, when yes. it comes to production. Yes. Yes. And okay. So I got to be uh, aware of, of not being so anxious but then there's also myself of just being okay with uh, living with less, making less, and spending less. Mm-hmm. Now, it's easy to spend a lot less when you live like I do, because there's buy food and you know, like I got a pretty nice boat, but you could spend one fourth what I do. You can spend a hundred grand and get a fine boat. You know, mm-hmm. I, that's maybe a little cheap if you want like a lot of comforts, but. 150 for sure. Mm-hmm. And a lot of guys, you, know, you, you look at YouTube channels, people spend $5,000 and they fix them up, but they're working on it like crazy and you can live on it fine. Mm-hmm. But your, your expenses go way down, which is great. But then what do you do all day? And, um, and so I, well, let's go back to when I was first leaving. I had just been going, going, going for since I was, 20 until I was 56, 57, you know, pretty much nonstop. And I had found it was really hard for me to accept the fact that tomorrow I'm just going to be totally different life. And, um, I, it, 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 it's, it's hard to change your mind and to accept that, like Mm -hmm. you're going to give up, you know, what you 
in my case, as being a developer, I can't be a developer from, it takes a long time to set up a project to, to build something. Mm-hmm. So, um, do you still have I, rental income properties in North uh-huh. America? Uh, okay. Yeah. So that's how you like, you know, when you're not, uh, basically chartering and taking guests on, that's how you cover the boat expenses and everything, yeah. right? Okay. Yeah. 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 And, um, so I, um, yeah, so I didn't go naked, you know, I didn't say, mm-hmm. Oh, well, just hope I, I have some investments and, um, but I, in hindsight, I could have had a lot less. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize how satisfied I'd be just my days of, of, you know, I could take two hours to have a cup of coffee. But you Is think it everything about that it you thought that it was going to be? Cause I remember the first time that we talked, you're like, you know, I just wanted to sail. Like I just wanted to take a year off and take the family in a boat and just kind of like, you know, see a, see a bit of the world. Like now you've been in the Mediterranean all this time. Is it, is it everything that you thought it was going to be? Oh yeah. <laughs> it's great. great. And, and what's amazing me, amazing to me is this it is, even though I live in the land of boats, cause you're in mm-hmm. islands in Greece, I mean, it's where it all started kind of, mm-hmm. and the, you know, people coming up from Africa and all the back and forth. And, and, um, I meet people on this Island who've never sailed. Mm-hmm. And when I tell them, Oh, I'm a liveaboard sailor. They're like, Oh my God, really? I mean, people who live in these shops and they're so excited about it. Mm-hmm. Everybody who lives around the sea gets so excited. They want to sit down and have dinner with you and they want, they want to see it. They want to walk down and, and I'm like, my God, look at all these boats. There's people every day. Is it really that unusual? And they're like, yeah, it is. So it's, and, so it's relatively easy to meet women then. Well, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean it, that's what the viewers I, are wondering now. Like, well, you know, does the yes, sailboat get? It's a lot easier. Let's, yeah. Okay, now I don't know if it's me, or if it's what I'm doing. But when I lived for the five years after in in California, making my money again, six years maybe, I was dating a little bit, but there was nothing very good. But now, on the other hand, every time I'd meet a girl, I'd say, they say, "What are you doing? You know, who are you?" And I said, "Well, I'm going sailing." but I was really working for another three or four years. Mm-hmm. They said, what do you want to do? And I'd say that, and that they kind of lose interest because they want to stay there. They don't want to mm-hmm. go sailing. But now I'm doing what I love. And so it attracts people who love the same thing. And it's um, interesting enough and it's unique enough and I've gotten good at it to where a lot of people want to come on and, and share this. And so it's uh, for me, it's been a great experience. And I, I would say that anything you do that you really love, you're going to, people are going to be fascinated by what you do, whether it's being a broadcaster or a boater or yeah. a baseball player. Or- yeah, that's, yeah, that's really true. You, you know, I've, I've often said that, you know, you want to chase excellence, not women. I was having a conversation with my uh, girl last night. We're just chilling in a hot tub, having a drink. And she's like, I love that you are doing what you're doing. Like, I love yeah. that you fucking are so stoked about it and that it's so useful. So, you know, the whole chase excellence thing and being on a purpose and a grind, like women are attracted to that. I mean, if you hate what you're doing, it's boring. It's not interesting. People don't admire you for it. You're not going to go very far with it. So, I mean, that that's an excellent point. Dwayne. Yeah. And, and so, and I would give kudos to you for doing this because you're constantly coming up with new ideas and you you reach into everything. And, um, Oh, and by the way, uh, you were looking at the, uh, you did a piece on the UK and Russia thing. 
my daughter actually got chosen for the, uh, the, the congressional envoy to go to, um, um, she went and, and, and went to the border with the, with the secretary of defense and the, and the, um, uh, um, about eight senator, no, eight congressmen, mm -hmm. like a couple of weeks ago. And I, if you guys look in my Instagram, it's finding grateful. No, it's grateful travel. But I have in my links, I, I'm a writer. I've become a writer for a magazine called uh, uh, the National Business Post.com. And mm -hmm. I wrote a piece in there about a refugee camp, a Syrian refugee camp. Mm -hmm. And it got pretty well received. And um, when my daughter went to the, uh, see the, you know, hang out the refugee camp in, that's just happening right now, she pinged me and I, I wrote her back and I said, hey, did you read that piece that I wrote? She goes, oh, yeah. So that was really a connective thing. Mm. And uh, um, so it's, I think whatever you do, if you embrace it and you really uh, think about, when I started writing, this is, this is, it has has in, it has connected me to so many people just stories mm -hmm. and i often in my instagram i write a lot of stories that go with my pictures as well and i do a lot of lives just talking about what i'm doing every day but it's 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 connected me to so many people kind of like what you're doing too mm -hmm. i mean you're 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 way better uh reach it but you work way harder at it too to me it's a side gig um it started as a side gig for me too, right? Now it's full time. Yeah. And How, I, how's um how's the Mediterranean in the wintertime, by the way? It's 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 March twenty sixth today and it's cold and I have snow melting. Uh, snow I banks melting here. I'm I could be in my shorts and I could have my shirt off. It's that nice, huh? It's beautiful right now in Corfu. Is it like it's that in like January gorgeous. too, or no. is it only starts to warm no, up? No, it gets the... we had a cold front come last week. It was yeah. snowing. Yeah, but I only for a minute. I've got some family in Greece, yeah. Yeah, only for a minute. And I was in Athens okay. and it was awesome. But and I had some I had a kind of a charter come and I yeah. spent the last three weeks actually sailing pretty hard. I went down just up and down the Ionian. Mm -hmm. And uh, you go to these little villages in the wintertime, mm -hmm. it's awesome. There's yeah. nobody in the water. And you pull right up to the keyway and there's the town is literally right in front of you. Right you walk there. across the street and get your vegetables and restaurants and yeah. and stuff and there's and people have time to sit and talk to you and coffee mm. shops and summertime's a lot no busier line. in the islands too. Oh right? my God. It's so busy, but it's fun. That's when everybody wants to come because it's super, it gets almost hot. too hot. Yeah. Yeah. So right now is amazing. If anybody wants to come for a trip I, in April, I'm kind of open may I've got a couple bookings. Um, but it's, uh, um, uh, winter time living here is amazing. It's, um, and I don't mind cold water. Like I swim, I'm a cold water swimmer. So it's, it's, uh, that was one of the other things I did to get my mind in a, I I've been a surfer all my life mm -hmm. and I surf in California. And if the water is less than 65, I put on a wetsuit. Yeah. Okay. So when I was in my mid fifties, I got introduced to cold water swimming. This is five years ago, six years ago. <laughs> And people swim without wetsuits in the San Francisco Bay. And now it's mm -hmm. really popular now. You see it all over the place. But it was mm -hmm. just 
uh, I was just introduced to it. And it's like, there is no way mm -hmm. I can swim in water 55 degrees at night. I should get used to it. You get used to it. But I thought I was going to die. Uh, like the first time <laughs> I did it. I, I really did. I thought my heart was going to stop. And, but I, I went out with this woman and she's, oh, come on, let's do this. And we charge out in the water and we swam around the buoys and it came back in. I was so freaking cold. And we, it was, we got, ran back to the car and put the heater on and I didn't die. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, if I can accept that, I could accept almost anything. Did you see the story that I posted back in January when I did that hero's trip retreat? We had to cut a hole in the ice with a chainsaw. The ice was like oh, no. two feet awesome. deep. Yeah. We you had like a wood burning in? sauna and then we went from the sauna <gasps> into the lake. It was awesome. That's Freaking, perfect. Dude, there was a blizzard. There was a guy with a snowmobile ripping across the lake when we were cutting the cutting the hole into it. It was it was it was cold. And you Very did cold. it. Yeah, How yeah, many yeah, people? Oh, there's about eight of us. I'm doing another one next month. Uh, I think we're fully booked at like 11 on this one, but um, I'm starting to do them on a more frequent basis. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. so I, I do the same thing on the boat, get everybody to jump in the water. Just jump right in when it's cold, right? Even in the winter, yeah, it was like 55. And everybody on this, all these these boats behind me, most of them have people living on there. Okay. And I got I came in here and I kind of got to know everybody a little bit. That almost looks like jump. a tall ship behind you. Eh? Oh no, that's not a tall ship. That is a uh, that's a Turkish Goulet. That's probably yeah, one of the most beautiful it's got boats. Got a few masts. Oh yeah, okay. That is probably one of the most beautiful boats in this marina for sure. That's what is that like 60, 70 feet? Yeah, it's about 60, 65. That's a it's beautiful old though, thing. isn't it? Um, no, maybe 20, 30 years, something like okay, that. Okay, so yeah. it's kind of like a retro design then. I see. Yeah, it's a retro design for sure. They just put a square pilot house on it and make okay. it, but the, the whole shape is modern and okay and, it. and it's fiberglass not wood but i mean the top of it's wood but it's mm. it's, it's fiberglass hole and but the turks are really good at making these things they got it down mm. and um and for the mediterranean it's great um actually that would go anywhere in the world but they make a different style of goulet the g-u-l-e-t these these big comfortable turkish boats mm -hmm. that are not really good for outside of the Mediterranean big swell. Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, I, once I came in here and uh, people got to know me, they saw me jumping in the water. They're like, what are you doing? <laughs> and I said, oh, I'm swimming. <laughs> and they're like, well, per, before I knew it, like a third of them, maybe half of them were doing it. Yeah. So it's infectious. Yeah. And so you really have a lot more, if you do what you believe in, people love it it's mm -hmm. it's uh that's what i go you know if you do what you love people who love what you do will find you so what are your favorite parts of sailing in the mediterranean now like what do you love about it the most well it's accessible you you in in the med um and and the history right so people in the mediterranean love their identity and so it's like weird being in the, in the United States. You're okay. You could be Californian. You could be New York, but you're still an American. Mm -hmm. And it's so big. It's the cultural difference is not as severe as being Greek versus Italian versus, you know, or uh, um, uh, Tunisian mm -hmm. or Moroccan. And and their hist when they talk about that, they are they're talking about their history, right? And it's really deep. And they have all these sayings. They go, well, 
in Spanish, we say this or that, or whenever I'm talking about something. Now we have a saying for that in Greece and we have a saying for that in this, and it's all done over a bottle of wine mm -hmm. or, um, and so, and by being a sailor here, they have a lot of respect for the history of, of what it means to travel this way because it's how they get around and it means a lot to them. So that's oh, the thing right. about sailing. Yeah. That's the thing about sailing in the Mediterranean. That's what I found. I didn't, what else I didn't expect it? that. I didn't expect that at all. That in fact, it was, that was a, uh, a, a, um, a really amazing. And, and so like, okay, there's Spanish and right next door is France. And then the other way is Portugal. And so when I'm hanging out with Spanish people, they speak about the Portuguese like Americans would speak about, you know, Mexicans mm -hmm. or, or, or any, you know, not derogatorily, but, but their differences, like it's really different. And I, mm -hmm. and, and from my perspective, you know, it's all, they're all eating olive oil and, and, and bread and, and, but no, no, not at all. They're, no, the cultures are they, very different. They, yes, they are really into it so when you sail from one place to the next they're like oh you're in portugal like even the spanish it's like, wow what was your experience in portugal and and the same thing with being here in greece and oh i'm dying to like i i know some french people who follow me online and they say oh i'm dying to go to greece like well that's like me going it's to like an hour flight <laughs> yeah <laughs> go, exactly <dude. laughs> yeah, yeah 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 but it means so much to them and so from a sailing perspective, it's uh, it did it gives you a lot of um, continuity with with the culture here. Mm -hmm. It means a lot. And so, um, let me ask you this question too. So, um, you know, as a guy in a sailboat, you know, doing what you're doing, living the life that you're living, um, I know that um, you don't have a problem with women. I'm not going to say how, but what are the European women like around the Mediterranean versus the Americans? A lot less uptight. Uptight how? You mean like? Um, European women are uh, way more feminine. They uh, they accept femininity gracefully. Like they are in North America? No. Not even close, huh? not even close yeah. i had this one girl here tell me well, i'm a feminist and i said really um <laughs> as she came over and made me dinner and, and, was, <laughs> and i said you know what honey you're not a feminist i go yeah. you're just angry because your ex-husband doesn't pay support and stuff and he just left and yeah. and you're having to raise i go it really sucks you're having to he it, it does suck he's having to raise his kid and then and 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 her mom's there with her and, and she, yeah, i go yeah he's he's an asshole the guy just bolted and mm -hmm. and he shouldn't do that and and i said that doesn't make you a feminist and but you don't want to just you don't hate men and she respects her dad even though mm -hmm. her dad was kind of like because i've asked her he was not he was just a normal guy he was just a regular guy kind of you know, worked a bit and, 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 but he wasn't a bad guy. Mm -hmm. He wasn't an asshole and he wasn't a loser or he didn't, he didn't do anything bad to people. Do you he find them more to agreeable to you than what they are in North America? They're very comfortable with their sexuality. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's just, you know, 
the the roles of men and women are um, they there's like blue not, jobs and there's pink jobs sort of thing, right? Blow jobs and what? No, there's. <laughs> No, I actually said there's like blue jobs and there's pink jobs. Oh, blue jobs. But sure, I mean, you know, we know where your head's at right now. <laughs> I, that's what I thought you said. Okay. Whatever. I, okay. I, I, um, blue, pink jobs and blue jobs. I, I yeah. don't know. I get, they're, they're not, they're not going to wear the pink pussy hats. Right. Yeah, of course. And they're not going to be all proud about it. Maybe there's a few, but mm. in general, you can see when you go out the way they dress they're they 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 want to look hot yeah and they're and they're and they're fine with that they're happy about that and it doesn't mean they're loose but they're they're but they but they like they appreciate the fact a lot of uh being women when i go back to california women dress like shit they 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 dress down they wear baggy clothes. They, they girls here, they're wearing beautiful coats. Uh, they're the, every one of them looks like a, a, a model of some, some level. They wear beautiful clothes just going out during the day. One of my first I, experiences in Europe, I went to France. I think we went to Nice for um, Christmas. I was living in Canada. My folks were, were living in England. So I went over to visit and then we flew over to Nice for like, I don't know, a week or something like that. And I remember I rented these rollerblades and I'm going down the boardwalk. It's a winter time. So there's not a lot of people, but there was this one chick that was like running. So, I, you know, I look over, I'm like, yeah, she's hot. Keep going. Didn't really think anything of it because she was in workout wear. And then I saw the same girl about an hour later, done to the nines. She was like, she looked like a model. She was perfect. Yeah. Makeup was done perfect. Clothes was done for everything, everything. Like they put so much effort into um, looking good because that still matters over there. And I think what you pointed out about, about the North American culture is it doesn't matter so much. It's like, no, fat acceptance. I'll wear what I want. I'll dye my hair purple. I'm not going to do anything with it. Whatever. It's not right? attractive. It's not yeah. attractive. It's just like, well, I'm, you know, it's like, forget about feminism forget about it. how about just looking hot so we can all get horny you know i mean doesn't <laughs> do, doesn't that mean something yeah it's like the it, it, it's what, uh what, what's the what's the culture like around the mediterranean because i think it was esther perel that made reference to this she said like in north america they like to declare monogamy but act clandestine and adultery but in europe especially around the mediterranean area Italy, Greece, Turkey, you know, uh, Spain, France, and all that. It's kind of accepted that um, high-value, successful guys will have mistresses alone, or they'll do whatever they want. And you know, I don't even think it's high-value, successful guys. I, I think it's just um, they're um, they separate. Um, look, nobody wants to get cheated on, mm -hmm. right? Nobody wants to get lied to, and and but it, the passion of an affair i think is more understandable not that i would want to do it or i would want it done to me but it's it's this horrible offense in america like just like shrill mm -hmm. anger and here like well 
he's a man or you know she's a he's woman a man and get away with it sort of thing right and he's a man or she's a woman and you know this is what they might do this is how people might act so they're not going to shame them into this existence mm. because of what they've done okay maybe they'll get a divorce though it's like well why are you screwing that chick if you you know married to me okay i don't want to be married to you anymore that would mm. that might make sense and or maybe the guy gets away with it or maybe the woman looks the other way but i i what i've heard is that yeah that that happens more here for sure and um they're just not so hung up on on fidelity um and um in america for sure it's like this stumbling block you know it's just yeah it, it's this huge red flag i'm you know if we look back at how humans have existed i'm not sure it's even healthy to not think that way mm -hmm. it's uh you know the the puritan ethic of of being pure I, I don't know it clearly doesn't work look at all the divorces right yeah exactly so um, i got to start wrapping up soon and i want to make sure okay. you take a minute to kind of like um close up okay. and tell people where they can find you but where are you off to next like are you staying in the mediterranean for the foreseeable future are you going to go okay, anywhere else you're september, talking about circumventing the the globe yeah. is that is that still going right. to happen for you so september october till september october i'm in greece essentially maybe turkey as well they're all pretty close mm -hmm. and um i am i i take people on and if the guys uh i i would ask you to uh write me a personal email to uh, uh grateful direct at gmail and i will uh, and this is your instagram here by the way that yeah I'm up so go to my instagram grateful underscore travel and so i'm trying to build a community that's not, not huge but of guys who are interested in what i'm talking about what i'm and um and doing um and if it's a tight enough group i can share a hell of a lot more with you and because i a lot of got a lot of great stories that i it's not really valid to put in public um and and so that's I, always a uh, sign of a great man when they have great stories they can't publicly tell <laughs> yeah and w without consequence yeah. and so i um i uh then you know my gr grateful travel so please follow it it's um um i like to i love to share everything and yeah. then come october hopefully I, I have I have a decision to make. It will go back to the surf um, in Grand Canaria or uh, the Canary Islands and spend another season um, surfing and and or to uh, just spend another winter, tie the boat up and do some overland travel on. It. I need to go see my mom for a while mm -hmm. and uh, I have an aging mom. So so I mean like people can book uh, time with you on the boat. you'll show them through, around, September you capture sure, the boat please or everything. Come. Yeah, cool. I, it comes cupped in and it's an awesome trip. And we see islands, we go on shore every day. There's bars, there's restaurants, there's water, there's diving. I got dive gear. I've got, you know. I'm guessing you know all the good places too, being. being yeah. And my prices are commensurate with everything that you could rent anywhere else, you know, yeah. in the, uh, if you're going to go rent a boat. And um, yeah, so hook up, please don't be shy and um, we'll have a good time. Cool. Uh, before we bounce, I, I'm just going to run this uh, quick three-minute ad reel just to pay some bills. So just check this out, guys. It helps support the channel. Thanks. This okay. episode is brought to you by the Unplugged Alpha Supplement Line. 
Grandike Soap Company, and Chad's Face Scrub. Brothers, if you're like me and you take what you put in your body seriously, you'll want to use the Unplugged Alpha supplement line. An obsession with absorption is what sets this line apart from the others. You want to make sure you absorb as much of the supplements as possible so you don't end up peeing out expensive urine. My supplement line is made in the United States from the highest quality domestic ingredients, and unlike cheap supplements from China and plastic bottles, mine ship in dark glass bottles to keep your supplements fresher, longer, and won't seep endocrine-disrupting plastics into your supplements. Nothing is a hard tablet. Everything is an easily digested bioavailable capsule. You can filter all products by their various categories, including testosterone support, estrogen metabolism, fat burning, immune health, sleep support, and performance. Visit theunpluggedalpha.com forward slash shop and use the subscribe and save option to get 10% off your supplement orders or just use coupon code alpha10 for 10% off a one-time order to try it out. Men, I use tactical soap and God of War beard oil every day. Tactical soap is a handmade product made in the United States from ingredients you can actually pronounce, not conventional endocrine-lowering toiletry chemicals. Both the soap and beard oils are infused with bioidentical pheromones that are designed by a clinical psychologist and pheromone expert to maximize attractiveness to the opposite sex. Visit coopersoap.com and get 10% off your order today. Gentlemen, my go-to face scrub to keep this manly face clean and clear is Chad's. Again, it's incredibly important to me to only use products with all natural ingredients without nasty chemicals that disrupt male hormone levels or convert to estrogen in your body. And unlike watery scrubs that slip between your fingers, this thick face scrub with black lava sand gives you powerful results in one go. Visit getchads.com and you'll be redirected to the Amazon store. You'll get 10% off when you use coupon code getchads10. You can find all the links I've just mentioned pinned below in the top YouTube comment. If you want to learn more about why I endorse these natural products to my audience, search on my YouTube channel for an episode I did with Dr. Anthony J titled Playing to Win Number 21, How Estrogenics Make You Fat, Sick, and Infertile with Dr. Anthony J. Let's get on with the show. All cool. right. Thanks for uh, tolerating that for a minute. I'm going to drop in the live chat um, the first interview I did with Dwayne. I was just digging that up as we were... Uh, Call it episode one. <laughs> I don't see the chat at all. I haven't seen anything. Yeah, it's because you're on your phone and it's on like uh, a second screen. But if, but if uh, you're on a desktop, then you'll see it. Um, let me just check real quick to see if we missed any questions. So I just dropped episode one in the live chat. I will put it uh, as a card up on the top right. Just a few people commenting on uh, some of the stuff during the show. No real questions. Uh, super chat here. Woman will never date down financially. He's not wrong. Well, I mean, generally not, or they won't do it for a long period of time anyway. Got it. Um, Ruthless Viking says, love the first episode. Such a great live story. Learned a lot. <laughs> like the video. Uh, oh, Chris is asking if you've ever considered coming up through the Great Lakes. I don't know why you'd want to go from the Mediterranean <laughs> to the Great Lakes. Why would you want to do that? Mm, that'd be interesting at some point, I guess. It'd be if different. I had a, really, if, a lot colder. If, look, I, I, when I first started this, how much more time I got, but I thought I was going to be just being a woman on this boat yeah i, I thought quickly. i was i had a girlfriend i thought it was going to happen and then and then yeah. and she came for a couple months and then she couldn't let go of the other life you know it's really just a mental thing it wasn't even financial it was it, it, whatever mm -hmm. not everybody can do it you have to think about it a long time to go to actually circumnavigate and then i had another girlfriend that um english one and she really wanted to do her meditation business and and couldn't really go around 
Um, but if I was, I think, tight with, if I had a girlfriend who was into it, I might go up there. Mm. But, you know, there's different challenges. It'd be interesting to see maybe, but it's awesome here. And then there's, there's other, I, I'm a surfer. Mm. Are you going to, um, are you going to see the rest of the world? You're going to go through the Suez Canal and sort of start I hope east so. and go to Asia and Australia yeah. and across the Pacific. Yeah. I'm waiting to get the right partner actually, yeah. you know, to why, don't get you, the, why don't you just do it with like a crew, like do passages, you know, with oh, a crew and kind crew. of like, yeah. Um, because and I do, I, I, I do, I do go places without, with just crew. I, I mm. do that often, but to really go, uh, the whole world, I want a full-time partner it's just to make so much other things easier. easier you have to leave the boat, yeah. you know, and you want to have a nice experience with somebody when you get there and, um, and then and create memories with people. I'm having a blast. Don't get me wrong. And, mm. and, uh, I make the best of every day, but to go on that, that journey is a different frame of mind. Um, mm. and I, uh, um, yeah, I, there's there's two different se sets of it to do you can do it with crew it's uh you have to get getting getting together with crew for a long period is it's really a personality thing you got to be good because you're in a small space over right. vast distance right 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 yeah. right right and if they're paying me you know if i'm chartering that's a different story i'm just going to make you comfortable i'm going to make your experience excellent like here in the in the you know, during, uh, vacation time mm -hmm. and you're going to come for a week or two. Uh, but if we're kind of cohabitating, that's a different, it's a different thing. You're actually going somewhere together and it's not about, I'm, I, I'm not working for you now. And it, it, you're, we got to create this thing as a team and that requires a personality alignment. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's, you can do it for short periods of time. I'm trying to, you know, keep going through trying to find somebody who'll do it for long periods of time. And I have done a lot, you know, I've gone 22,000 miles so far and most of it, not alone. That's cool. All right, guys, um, let's wrap up on that note. You can find Dwayne, um, you know, where, where he had mentioned, um, keep an eye on the comments, maybe like tomorrow, see if there's any questions that come after the fact that you might want to kind of chime in on. I know that you were good last time when people were, were asking for questions in the last video. Okay. So, Thanks again for uh, carving out some time. I hope you enjoy the rest of your day in Greece, my man. Okay. Thank you very much, Rich, and everybody else. I, I love all the comments. Thanks. Bye.